exactly does it mean to share your hotness? We all have our own unique spark. We are burning out of control like a wildfire, attracting attention, but is it the right kind of attention? All around us are people who are campfires. They don't get as much attention, but their story, their signature spark, their heat that attracts us close to them, those stories need to be shared. On this podcast, we're sharing their stories, their stories of resilience, overcoming, how to find joy, happiness, everyday people who found their spark and made their life amazing. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Share Your Hotness with your host, Lita Green, and my guest today, Nick Segilla. Did I say that right? Segala. Sagala, dang it. Okay, I guess I needed to think more with the Hispanic slant. Sagala, right? It's all good. Yeah. So Nick and I have known each other for like 25 years now, probably yeah. about that long. And yeah. you recently started a group on Facebook that I started kind of seeing some of their content you were putting out. But I think we've been Facebook friends for a while. Obviously, our friendship predates social media. And sure. right before we got on, I'm like, Nick, am I remembering correctly that we work together? And he started reminding me it was right after you graduated from high school for just so y'all know, I'm older than Nick because I would have been a about, little bit. Yeah, I'm I'm turning 50 in September. Isn't that crazy? Wow. Yeah. No, yeah. And I'll be 40 in August. Yeah. So I am. That makes the math just really a little easy. Bit. 10 years, <laughs> 10 years older. But um, so I hired you to work for me. Are we co-workers at the uh, yeah, yeah, no, no. I, I um, you had me you hired me to work with you. There was a few of us who who went door to door knocking yeah. and, and trying to sell home security. systems. Yeah. So I so the reason I had this job was my sister-in-law, bless her heart, got a hold of my credit card. And one of my biggest life regrets is letting my family get away with the crap that they got away with. But she rung up a $7,000 debt. And so I took a job working at um, ADT, U.S. Security, ADT. Am I remembering that right? Was it U.S. Security? And it was like an affiliate of ADT and selling security systems door to door in the Oklahoma heat, wind and rain and hail and could all be in the same day. Because Oklahoma weather is pretty crazy and pretty fierce. Like people always say, oh, the weather changes where we live. No, like the rain would come down horizontally. You know, the wind would be so strong. And so we'd be out there door knocking doing that, you know. And um, I did work my way up to being a manager. And there's a funny story about that, too. But you, you share your side of the story. Well, I, I was just a, a young, I want to say a punk kid because I think I was a punk kid uh-huh. and uh, I, um, I just needed to do something with my life. I, I didn't, uh, you know, want to go to college just yet. And I just moved back into Lawton and, and it seemed like something that was right up my alley. I love talking to people. I was a telemarketer through high school and it just seemed like something that I could, I could jump into and buy into. So I had my buddies, uh, I want to say it was Nate Sorensen. Oh my heavens, these names. uh, (laughs) I don't know if Matt Armstrong was involved in that, but I know he was around. I'm not Um, sure, but Nate Sorensen sounds familiar. Yeah. Yeah. So we, uh, we just kind of took these books and this training, these training manuals, and we were like, all right, we're going to run with this and do it. And it was my it was my introduction to like face-to-face sales, which was yeah. horrifying because knocking on doors like a missionary at 18, but with a security system. Yeah. And it was my first experience training other people. And oh, wow. uh, we did quite well as an office, I have to say. Yeah. <laughs> For a time, we were like the number one office in the thing, which was very upsetting to the upper ups because I was the first female manager. And they kept making comments about, because I'd be on the, you know, the meeting with all the office managers and they'd be like, gentlemen. And I'm like, and lady, you know, so I'm a little (laughs) bit annoying, you know, because I'd be like, and lady, you know, and they'd be like, well, Lita's just doing really good because she's cute. And I'm like, I'm not that cute, gentlemen. I'm not that cute. 
I also knock more doors than the rest of you. Because <laughs> I take y'all around game, and right? show you how to do it where other managers tend to sit in their office. And I would take my, my you know, I, one of the people that work for us, I don't know if you know this, that was a young lady, was actually a stripper. And she <laughs> no. told me, she's like, this is the first job I've had that I don't take my clothes off. And I was like, well, I'm so proud of you. That's so great. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so hey, I would just hire... Anyone that was ready to work hard and had uh, an umph and a desire to do well. And, you know, we made pretty good money for what we were doing, you know? Right. So. Yeah, no, I remember that. I was fresh out of high school and I thought, hey, this isn't so bad, right? Yeah. I mean, I was, I, I paid off that debt of my sister-in-law within a couple of months. I was the number one salesman my first week joining that. And I was pretty proud of that. See, I'm still proud of it because I remember it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah nice so it's pretty funny and then they kept the the sexistness was got to such a point that when I found the business I'm working in still to this day that I put in my notice and then they said they were worried about my paycheck and I sent him a copy of my commission check mm. that was petty of me <laughs> wow <laughs> well I mean that's just the toxic culture that that, that we live in I don't think it's gotten any less sexist I mean there's I, a lot more women that stand up yeah I I am I'm not going to be that woman that I mean yes I have experienced um sexism um I've even been like not hired because I was not ethnic you know I've been uh, the most egregious I've had is being fired because of my religion when they found out what it was and not that I was hiding it um, you know, I've, I've experienced discrimination, but sure. we make our own opportunities in life. I'm a trucker's daughter who has the life that I have today. And so, yeah, everybody who ever pushes any boundary is going to have opposition. But I'm not going to say, oh, there were sexist men out there that stopped me because there were also men that mentored me in my career. There are also men that encouraged me and supported me. Of course, one of the awesomest being my husband you know, and I had yeah. young men like you, I mean, I was 10 years older, but I wasn't like, you know, you guys didn't have to like, you guys worked with me and you respected me. So there was a few sexist guys, but you know what? I showed them, I showed them, yeah. <laughs> right? So I'm not going to, I'm not going to let anyone let, label me a victim. No, for sure. And it's, it's actually that opposition and, and those, what, toxic environments that we ascend through that really develop us. And, and, and it's like the catalyst for our growth. It's, it's like the crap in the manure that's in, that's in the fertilizer yep, that just yep. grows and grows and grows. So, I mean, without that, you know, we, we would be weaker. And, it's that and less meme, you know, that says why the grass is greener because it's manure. I mean, the meme has a different word for it, but you know, it's right. why is it greener? It's manure. <laughs> you know <laughs> so these are these are good things and i'm gonna call you out nick because behind you you have a picture of christ and right. you know those of us that are believers we know that there is going to be opposition tribulation and the lie that is put out there is to say that we won't have hard things happen right right i mean they killed christ Right. And you know, that's had opposition. That truth right there is actually what, what's what I hold on to. Um, whenever I'm going through a bad day or a tough time or a difficult season, I think about like what he went through. And then I contrast that to what I'm going through. And always it's like, you know, I can smile through this. <laughs> right. And, you know, in, in a lot of our challenges in life, we can go, well, you know, I could have made better choices. Um, you know, like I just said how, you know, I let my family get away with some really bad behavior. You know, I enabled my sister-in-law stealing my credit card. I mean, it was $7,000. That was a felony. But, you know, everyone's like, oh, families, blood thicker than water, you know, and all this kind of stuff. Um, and so, you know, I had some tribulation for that. But, you know, with Christ, he didn't do anything wrong other than speak the truth. Right. And that was yeah, wrong. And not everybody likes that. <laughs> not everybody does. <laughs> Come to find out, it's not terribly popular. <laughs> yeah. It's right. Hard to, hard to chew on those those truth bombs and digest them. 
Yeah. Especially when it contradicts the the norm or, you know, the flow of what everybody's comfortable, you know, flowing through. Right. Which often is downhill. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And the climb is, is tough, but it's always worth it. It's how you get and, the muscles um, figuratively, li- you know, literally spiritually, it's how we grow. And so that's why I'm like, yeah, those guys were sexist, but it also, that opportunity to go to be the number one salesman when they didn't think a girl could do it. And then to build the number one office because I trained other people, um, you know, in the whole company. And, you know, I was proud of my crew, you know, you guys were awesome. That taught me that I was capable. And I had grown up in an environment where I wasn't smart enough. I wasn't pretty enough. I didn't have a good enough personality. Like everything that I have been told is the opposite of the truth. I'm freaking amazing, but we have to discover that for ourselves. And I know you post about this a lot in your group. What's your, what's your inspirational Facebook group called again? Uh, There's, there's two, there's, why do I feel this way? That one's kind of a little, a little more down, uh, but gospel of growth is the one that gospel of growth. That's the one I'm in. So why, why you have a, a downer group? Is that what you're telling me, Nick? Well, I don't know that it's a downer, but it seems like the people in that group are they are struggling more with with shifting from, you know, making that victim to hero leap. So mm-hmm. I found that in that group, um, I put that together for a friend of mine who had a counseling agency and, and we were just trying to build a community for him that uh-huh. turned into a group of venting. Uh, uh, which we all need an outlet. So I'm, right, I'm right. grateful and we that all people need feel like they can do that. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, since, since creating that, I think I created that group back in like 2017. Um, but here in the last few years, as I've uh, been developing the, the business that we have gospel of growth, um, we're, we are focusing more on helping people, you know, see their potential and develop their worth and grow through their circumstances and really look towards the future instead of being held back by the past. Love it. Love it. Yeah. It's really fun, inspirational stuff. And, and so you just started that one, the gospel of growth one in the last couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. I I started that one, um, in 2020 and, and, and I, I, I wanted to get into coaching, uh, but it's interesting, you know, we, we go through seasons that are, that are unexpected. And so right when I started, right when I did, like had that vision for, for that company, I, uh, I started to go through heck. And, and so I went through a divorce. I got uh, falsely accused of some crimes that landed me in jail for, for about a month. I had to overcome those situations for which I'm grateful. Like I, I love the yeah, journey that I've been serious on. Serious opposition, I, but oh I'm also goodness, very... Yeah accountability in what you're doing, which I super respect. Yeah, 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 for sure. And, and also learn uh, what I've learned mostly through this last season of opposition is, is how to honor where I'm at and to see people who are there with me and then to just go from there and, and not worry about where I want to be or where I could be, where I think I should be instead, just have that, that faith that, that drives me to doing the next right thing where I'm at. And that's actually a big reason why I have the savior, mm-hmm. you know, looking over my shoulder here is because he, he walks with me through those fires and he, he never hasn't. So it's an honor to, to, mm-hmm. to think of him and to, to really own, you know, the relationship that, that I've developed with him through those circumstances. Amen. In fact, I just posted this morning. It's funny that we were saying this and it's an encounter that someone I know through a networking page that I'm on shared of him going to the dump and he um, had his tie downs too tight. And he asked this gentleman that's there if he had a knife and the guy goes, Oh, you don't need a knife. And, but first he says, Oh, I'm, I'm, um, I'm a, um, I'm a felon or something like that. I'm not allowed to carry a knife, you know? I mean, like, that's what he leads out with. And then he's like, goes up and shows him how he can release the tie down without breaking the tie down, you know, having to cut the tie down. And he said too often, Oh, I, Oh, I want to, I want to quote it just right. Because it was so, so good. It said, um, some people throw away perfectly good things when they just need a little extra work to save them. And just prior to that, he'd shared how 
the mistakes that he had made that landed him in jail, mm-hmm. that people put some extra work into him and that has saved him. And yeah. so you never know that this thing that society might describe as a bad thing. Um, I was just on a guest on another podcast where the lady's like, oh, we got to make sure our kids don't have sex. And I was like, that's not the worst thing that's going to happen to our religious kids. The worst thing is them not being able to understand the atonement of Jesus Christ, because we Mm -hmm. all know we're all going to fail and falter and sin and make mistakes. Let's not go get so caught up in the performative things of faith or religion or goodness and make sure that we're not being that Pharisee, right? That we are being true to who we are. And that, like you said, that next right thing. And sometimes we might make a bad decision with the best intentions, but being accountable for that might just be the story that we were meant to tell. Hey, that's, that's absolutely, that's truth. That, that's a big truth bomb. And it's there you like, go. so you were talking about how you were a trucker's daughter and, and how you've been able to develop your your character and your very being through your your opposition and i that resonates with me because i came from a poor family too you know my mom she was uh she she was traumatized i didn't know this when i was younger uh i just thought she was a bad mom but she she was a victim of satanic ritual sexual abuse that really just i didn't learn this until 2019 so if you can imagine i had a chip on my shoulder for a long time because i felt like the victim to you know her parenting and and but what I've learned is that you know we all have trauma but I digress so she I had a rough upbringing and and that's what led so me she into, never to, I guess it wouldn't really be appropriate to share because that's so heavy satanic sexual ritual abuse I mean that's not saying you're like hey little five-year-old I mean that would be right. horrifying to them so you never knew until you were an adult so I'm yeah, I never knew. And I'm glad she told me because I started working on a book and I crafted this narrative and I, and, and, and it completely obliterated everything that I thought that I wanted to say about anything. And I had to go back to start, reevaluate who I am, why I feel the way I feel and, and what I'm going to do with this new found empathy for someone who I perceived as a thorn in my, in my butt yeah. for so long. Well, it doesn't mean... And this is a really interesting point of faith and grace, because it doesn't take away the consequences of people's failures. But when we do learn people's stories, it can let us give them a little bit more, like you say, empathy for why they made decisions. But, you know, if she wasn't feeding you or whatever, or, you know, she was hitting you or whatever it was. It doesn't take away that that was hurtful for Nick. That's true. That's true. And, you know, so what I found is, is that that grace is, is abundant and it's always available. And and a lot of times in my life, the experiences that I've had that have been painful, regardless of, of who is inflicting it, truly it's been me inflicting myself most of the time with my thoughts and my limiting beliefs and, and everything. When in reality, all we need to do is we have this little bomb of grace in our pocket. We could take it out. The Lord gave it to us and we could rub it and then we can apply it generously as often as possible. And okay, so at first I heard the word like blow up bomb, but you're referring to like a lotion bomb. Like, but, yeah, you know, because I'm like, I just throw the bomb down in between you and that person. <laughs> you Here's some grace. Yes. Boom. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> I want that right now. Okay. So that's not the analogy we were going with, but you know, the, the five-year-old brain, I was like, oh, blowing up. Um, <laughs> but an actual lotion or salve. Yes. Like scripture. Right. right. The bomb of Gilead. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's, um, you know, when I. When I was younger, I, I came to know who Jesus was because of the hard times I was in. I, I, I was allowed to go to different churches and just have different experiences. And, and I was baptized when I was, I don't know, when I was 15. And I remember thinking like, because everything had been so rough up until that point, I was like, this is a new start. This is beautiful. And then I don't know if you can relate to this, but before I turned 16, I messed up again. And, and it's like, I fell. Oh, wait, down you, you and, weren't and, perfect already. 
dang it yeah i i know I, a lot of people they they get it right but <laughs> no no, no I, I that that's a lie it's just because we're seeing those outward performances every single one of us fail and make mistakes every single day and right. the better we are at realizing that's a reality the better we can put the safeguards in for not having it become you know unquote a sin right but the more I can like, um, you know, apologize to someone in my home when I was unkind or was unjustified, the better I can take accountability when those things are smaller, the less likely it's going to grow to me digging in and entrenching in my pride. Right. right. The, the ability to sorry is essential to having a relationship with ourselves, with another person and with God. You're right. You're right. And, and so as I, as I grew, I'd say through my twenties and stuff like that, I, um, I didn't know how to apologize. I'd ne it'd never been modeled to me. I mean, I knew how to say sorry, yeah. but I didn't know how to change my behavior. Well, and you and, hadn't been given much of a foundation. It sounds like of what grace in your own life looks like, because it sounds like your mom never figured out how to give that little girl and her some grace for what she went through. And we can only give to others. I say this a lot. We can only give to others what we possess. So she couldn't role model that for you. And so I hope you're kind of hugging little Nick right now. Like, you know, maybe <laughs> yeah. it's a good thing you messed up at 16 because then you could start to learn this pattern of what is failure and then getting better. You know, what does the process of redemption look like for Nick? Right. Because it's not a well, one-time event. I'll tell you, the process for Nick at that time was um, run away and escape from this stuff. So I, I got really into drugs and alcohol. I was hooked on heroin and methamphetamines. And, and, and that was all for, for about 10 years. So when so you were working I'm, I'm, for me, you were a little drug addict? No, no. In fact, it was, it was the next year. It was, is when I turned 19 that I, that I really. Oh, it's just, when I left. Okay. So it's my fault. <laughs> you, you left me Lita and, and oh, I had to fend for myself. <laughs> I'm sorry. I went to go work my own job. Dang it. <laughs> I know. I know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but I, um, if you were a victim you know, mindset, you could blame me. Be like women who abandoned me in my life. <laughs> That's true. And, and, you know, it's funny that you say that because up until I was about 30, that's what I was chasing after was a woman to, to love me, to care about me. And, mm -hmm. and so much that like I idolized that perfect image of who I thought would, you know, take care of me. And, and one time I'm 30, I, I just turned 30 and I was just dealing with some heavy things and and my brother had just passed away and and here i am in this place of misery so i i go That's and so i i go to the mall oh yeah. no worries no worries um i go to the mall and and i sit down i'm looking around and i'm in total victim mode i see all these families and i start complaining to the lord i'm like lord like what's up with this why me and it was the first time i ever heard him like speak to me in such a way that just got my attention because i'm like Lord, why? And simultaneously, he whispered, but said sternly, when are you going to love me as much as you want love from her? What? That's your TED talk right there. Dang, right? that's powerful. Yes. Now, so I love, there is so much in that. So, And that's what's so good when you know it's from God. How there's layers upon layers upon layers. Right. And, and I'll tell you, I'm going to go back just a little bit uh, to fill in the blank of the heavy stuff I was dealing with to, that led me to that realization. I said my, my brother had been murdered earlier that year. It was, oh. a, it was a bad situation, but that, that month that led up to him being murdered. That was February of 2014. So January, um, How the many Lord had been working on me. How many There's siblings? There's, uh, I'm the oldest of seven. Oh, propagated. He, uh, yeah. 
<laughs> right. Yeah. He was the baby boy. Oh man. I'm so sorry. Oh, you know, thank you for your condolences. But I tell you, like, it's the greatest thing that's happened because it was the trauma of that situation that woke me up. Mm. I, that's, that's what shifted me from wanting to escape reality and just, you know, medicate myself. When he died, I, I knew that the Lord carried, would carry me through that because the Lord showed up the month before. And I've learned that the Lord usually shows up at the last minute in my life. Like, it's like when everything's breaking loose and, and things seem heavy, it's like he, he comes in at the right time and says, all right, there's a fire in front of you and I'm about to carry you through it. Aww. And so that's what happened. The Lord's, he, he, I hadn't been to church in about 10 years and he prompts me to go to church. I go to church January of 14. And, and there's a lady giving a talk about journaling. And she's like, I don't know why I'm talking about journaling. I never keep a journal, but I'm supposed to be up here talking about journaling. And the whole time the Lord's <laughs> like, listen, this is for you, Nick. Like, go, listen, listen. So I leave that meeting and I go grab this journal, right? And I start just journaling my thoughts. And the Holy Spirit is revealing to me just this truth that was almost forgotten. And, and I'm writing all this stuff down. And then a few weeks later, my brother dies. And, and so the Lord has had me, had my attention for about a month. And, and so now when I go to the mall and I'm complaining to him about my mom, it'd been about seven months of me interacting with the Lord him carrying me through that fire of, of, you know, victimhood thinking, you know, I was robbed of my brother. Why me? Who are these guys that, that, you know, they're going to go to prison and I hope they rot. And those are just the feelings that I had. And again, uh, the Lord was stern with me when I had those feelings and he was, and he told me uh, that I am no respecter of persons. He said, and you deserve my grace just as much as they deserve my grace. And so I'm, I, I had so much on my plate at that time emotionally. And, and I, I just felt like, like this victim, but it was that moment in the mall where I, where I'm complaining to him about my mom. And, and, and I have all the thoughts of everything that had happened through the year and, and, and all those emotions that were weighing down on me. So when he, he basically, he called me to repentance. He's like, you are idolizing your mom. When are you going to let go of the idol and worship me? Mm. And that, that was uh, mm. that was a tipping point in my life. Preach it, brother. Preach it, right? Uh, you know, it talks about in scripture how, you know, people will put gods before God, uh, you know, idols, false God, you know, fi- false idols before God, and will be even gods unto themselves. And, you know, I think this wave of narcissism is, you know, what that's talking about, that it's mm. um, almost encouraged in our society to be only focused on yourself and what is your individual truth instead of how, there, you know, there's truth with a capital T, divine right. and directed by God, not our individual wants. You know, it, yeah. it's, it has very little to do with what we may want because we are so messed up, you know, by our experiences and we're still figuring it out. I mean, I'm, I'm like, I told you, I'm almost 50 and I'm like, I think I finally figured out appropriate boundaries. <laughs> yeah you know, like I'm still I think I those. finally have that and it's been showing up for me you know really for 30 years of how to make a boundary when I was taught not to have boundaries you know I knew I could figure out pretty quickly how to make a boundary with somebody who was a sexual molester you know and to make appropriate boundaries around dating you know thank god like literally because I didn't marry someone that would be abusive, but it took me, it's taken me so much time to refine all of that. And I'm sure in 10 years from now, I'm going to be like, oh, and I thought I had it figured out at 50, <laughs> right. You know, that right. we're always evolving and becoming and becoming more. And what we, we get so married to what we think and what we feel that we're not willing to look at, is it even true? That's true. And, and we get stuck in those paradigms of, of, of just being conditioned to see things a certain way because through our, the lens of our experience. Right. And, and that becomes our truth because 
reality is what you can see and that's your perception. And until we're willing to challenge our perception, like we're only going to experience what we see. Yeah. And, and then it repeats itself. And so that's, that's actually a perfect segue into the the next thought that I had Um, because I kind of shared some of the, just a little, I guess, brief history of, of some of the trauma that I've endured, but it was from that, that, moment where the Lord came into my life. And, and I say I was baptized when I was 15, but I didn't fall in love with Jesus until I was 31. And, and so it was this experience that, that developed my intimacy with him because I learned that I could trust him. And, and I mentioned being on drugs. There, there was a point where I was homeless, sleeping under a bridge, not too long before that. And then within, you know, that was 2014 when my brother passed away by 2015, now mind you, I hadn't been to school. I had no formal training or education. And, outside and of selling security systems, that is. Outside yeah. of selling yeah. security systems. Yeah, I mean, systems, right? yeah. I guess. <laughs> 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 well, I found myself, um, I, I was recruited by a, a, a training and consulting company, the Automotive Training Network. Uh-huh. And, and I, um, within about a year of working with these guys, I was flying all over the country consulting with, with, uh, dealers like automotive dealers and, and, you know, managers and training sales teams. And, and there's no explanation for how I landed there other than it was just a blessing that the Lord gave me. And I, and I love that. And I own that. And I'm grateful for that because it's opened up the doors, um, not just the doors of opportunity, but like it busted the, the doors open of perspective and understanding that like, I don't have to remain where I'm at and I can choose to be different. And when I choose to be different and that's in alignment with what the Lord would have for me, then he's just going to open the floodgates for me because it's his will, not mine. Right. Amen. And yeah. so it's, it, it helped me to understand that my mind although has, you know, I've had the same mind my whole life, but it hasn't always been right. And I learned to challenge my thoughts and Mm -hmm. to really try to not just talk about what I believe in, but walk in what I know. And, and I believe in a lot of things, but there are a few things that I know and, and I'm having, I guess I'm, I'm learning or gaining a deeper understanding of those things you know, the, the longer I'm here, you've been here 50, almost 50 years. I've been, yeah, I mean, I'm 10 years, but that's, what's so cool is because, because we have such different experiences, even though I'm unquote older, whatever, um, you can impact people that I couldn't because your experience is different. You know, I, I'm a sibling to people who've gone through drug addiction and still struggle with some of that. Um, I have seen the effects of that, but it's not been my personal experience. And so you're, you're going to be able to, I'm going to use the word minister, teach, impact people that are going to be like, oh, I connect with that story. But the same, at the same time, when you're teaching truth, we all teach it. Like I really focus a lot on sexual abuse recovery because that's something that was my experience and I'm living Mm -hmm. an amazing life despite the choice of another person. Right. And you're living a, an amazing life, despite the choice of another person and despite mm. some of the choices you went through. Same with me. Right. right. And that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. That's, that's the hero's journey, right? Like that's beautiful. That's the covenant that we made with God when we came here. It's the epitome of love. Oh, Nick. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It is because when we are able to actually look at those situations that break most people and we're able to draw strength and light from those, um, then we are at the very beginning of learning to understand the atonement and the power that we have. Yes. I actually wrote in my book, Love Me Too, that the definition, the best definition I could think of for love is doing for somebody something for someone else when it doesn't benefit you. And that you paralleled that so beautifully from our trials to the atonement that brought tears to my eyes because it did not benefit our savior does not benefit God to do what they do for us, except that they love us. Beautiful. Like, ah, 
Everybody just pause <laughs> for a minute and soak that in. <sighs> yeah. It <laughs> is. No, we, we have to fill the airways, but I just love <laughs> no, it No, so for much. sure. I'm like, juicy that's, truth uh, right there. Well, so I'll, I'll fast forward a little bit into, um, tw- so I, 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 I called from 2015 to, to where I'm at now, just a season of awakening. And so what I've been awakened to is, is this love, this love that transcends everything. And it just, it's, it is not, it's, 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 it's who we are, you know, it's, it's what we've gained. I had a vision um, a few years back in November of 2020. And in this vision, the Lord, he takes me to the new Jerusalem in my mind. And, and I go there. And, and immediately I'm standing in front of this mirror and then I'm looking at myself and then I change in the mirror into these robes. And then I'm, I'm guided into the city by, by this angel. And as I walk in there, it's like, everything is radiating. It's like transparent, but you can't see through it. It's like luminescent, I guess. And everything's just glowing. And there's this song about every, everything, every person, every building, every part of this place with was just singing and when I looked at the people that were there it's like I I had this this understanding of their love I could see them and I could see all of the painful experiences that they'd been through but there was no grief it was all swallowed up in the joy of where they are because of what they went through and when I when I saw that appreciate the perfection of eternal happiness aka heaven Right. If we don't know what the opposite feels like. That's true. I've heard it said that the the most exquisite joys come from the deepest wells of sorrow. Right. In my book, I say that you are entitled to the equal light to the darkness you've been exposed to. I love that. (laughs) So if you've been exposed to great darkness, and I use that word on purpose because entitlement is used as somebody who's um, expecting something they didn't earn. Mm-hmm. And we can't earn the grace of God fully. That is a gift given, right? But mm-hmm. we are still entitled right. to that as a promise that God has given. If we follow him, if we seek out that, that whatever That's darkness true. we've been exposed to, we are entitled to the equality of light. And so yeah, almost balance, celebrate, right? there's that balance, hundred percent. There's the, you know, in Chinese meta, you know, Chinese philosophy, it's the yin and the yang, Right. And Christian, mm-hmm. you know, Satan and God and this battle, right? This mm-hmm. opposite opposites. And here we are stuck in the middle trying to figure out what will we choose? Right. Right. So I, um, I'm grateful for the darkness that I've experienced because it, it does help me to appreciate the light. And, and I guess that's, that's a big part of the perspective that I've gained in my journey. And I know I'm far from done, but the perspective that I have now, it's almost like, incomprehensible it would be incomprehensible to the me 10 years ago um just understanding grace and mercy to the level and extent that i i understand it now um and being able to not just understand it but actively walk in it and offer it um it's it's been it's been phenomenal i've been able to to interact with the people that were involved with the murder of my brother Wow. And I've been able to personally embrace them, to let them know that the Lord loves them. And, and I don't say that to brag. I only share that. To no, no, I love that how... you're sharing it. I don't, I take it. I don't, I don't think we should be sheepish of sharing good. Oh, no, for sure. A hundred percent. I don't think and, we, you, and know, I'll and tell you, they... you have been able to do that, you know, immediately calls me to think, who do I need to if, you know, if Nick can do that and God can do that for each of us, who do I need to, um, to do that for? Right. I mean, that those, those are, if we don't share the good things, how could we ever aspire? I like that. That's true. And, and just like you, like I look at myself, even like I look at the me now and when I'm struggling and someone might be acting difficult or there's something challenging and I just don't like it. Yeah, uh, I can. I that's like a check for me. I, I check back and I'm like, well, you were able to let this go. Like, why are you holding on to this? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, just to be clear for those listening, um, you know, you don't, you don't invite over the person that molested you and say, Hey, you can hang out with my kids. You know, we still have to, trust still has to be earned, but we can give people um, a release. I describe it. I've mentioned my book. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be like that, but you need to write your own book, Nick, too. Um, That I hope that I have enough faith in the atonement of Christ that when I go to heaven and I see the man that molested me, that I have enough faith in God to know that he did his work and that that's going to be okay with me. Hmm. Right. Like that. I'm just released him to the atonement of Christ. It is between him and God now, and I'm out of it. Right. And there's a piece in that because it's like when we hold on to our hurt with people, we're carrying a responsibility for that in a sense. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we need to have years in between to have, you know, to feel safe or to have those boundaries or to, um, you know, to heal from what's happened. And that's okay. But the quicker we can get to a place of saying this God is between you and the perpetrator, I'm, I'm releasing responsibility to you to work on them. Then that's where grace starts to step in. And we can be like, I'm going to trust God and I'm going to trust you to work on that. Right. And understanding that these people who have been the source of so much pain for us, they're just playing roles Mm -hmm. that um, were necessary so that we would experience the pain necessary for us to ascend to the places that are necessary for us to be in to execute the mission that we've been sent here to, to perform. Amen. And yeah. Yeah. So I, um, wow, that's, yeah, it's, it, it's tough when, when you deal with sexual abuse, because you do have to have solid boundaries when, you know, like with me, when I forgave Enrique, he's the guy that, that pulled the trigger. Uh, We were in a courtroom and he was shackled and I was on a stand. Right. And, and so that was, you know, that was, there was nothing that he could, I could have said whatever I wanted. And, and I, I think I would have been okay. Now with the other one, I, I ran into her and, and she, and that was just recently, I ran into her. She had just done eight years. She got out. She was terrified of the day that she had, you know, that she, of the day that she expected of beating the family of, of, you know, my brother. Right. And so when I, I'm just grateful that I was able to, to, to listen to her, to hear her and to give her the chance to, to get those things off of her chest. Um, because that's, that's what we're here for. Right. Um, well, it's the we, story of Les Mis. And mm. that reason that story has so much power is, you know, and the priest doesn't turn in Jean Valjean for the stealing of the, the, you know, the candles and the silver. He's like, I have bought your soul for God. And that's what you did in that courtroom one day is you showed them an example. And it was like yeah. you handing them back the candlesticks and being like, you get to work this out. Yeah. And that, and that I, belief and that hope in somebody being able to be better, you, you know, I'm sure they still paid some criminal um, effect for what happened, right? you know, but they, you know, there's still consequences to what happened, but you, you got to step out of it. And that, gave them the opportunity to hopefully get to a place where they could forgive themselves as well. Well, that's the hope, right? But, right. And, and I don't mean to sound selfish in this, but this is the truth. Like what it's done for me has been just phenomenal because I've experienced this mighty change in my heart. You know, I, I had rage and aggression and anger issues I've learned how to, and, and it's taken a while, but that was the catalyst for me learning how to, to be still, how to, you know, master my emotions, how to not be responsive to situations and instead co-create with the Lord, the, the circumstance that I so desire. And that only happens with accepting what is and just working with it. Yeah, without... I, I cheered like silently while you did that, because I, I believe, you know, that, um, and there's a scripture in the book of Mormon that talks about, you know, that it was given to man to be reacted upon by Satan or to be, it doesn't say proactive, but to choose for ourselves, Mm -hmm. you know, through the mediator of all Jesus Christ. 
and I'm paraphrasing it, but that, that scripture changed my life. Hmm. That is one that I cite as a changing of how I perceived my role in life is I could sit there and whine about everybody and everything that had happened to me. And that was following Satan. Right. Or I could look, figure out how to be proactive. And that yeah. Christ had given that to me. So which one was I going to do? You can't have both. And I started saying to people in my life, well, that's your choice. When they would be screaming like a banshee at me, <laughs> I would be like, well, that's your choice, which created more screaming like banshee. So I had to work on some nuance on that, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but <laughs> um, I grew up, you know, in a home that everything was so reactionary, they couldn't pay their bills mm -hmm. because if they were sad, they went shopping for clothing mm -hmm. and things like that. If, you know, and we didn't pay the taxes and there wasn't always food and, you know, all these, everything was reactionary. And so it was so easy. And so I learned through that, this gift, you know, Satan doesn't have to get us to, you know, get into drugs or have an affair on our spouse or, you know, the, the problems in life. All he has to do is get us distracted, mm -hmm. right? That's all he's got to do is get us distracted. And we become really intentional and really focused, like what you're talking about it clears away a prior life of hardship. It clears away murder, abuse, like big. I mean, this is, this is a massive testimony of awesomeness, Nick. I love it so much. When the screenplay's there, will you please have the really, the, the manager at ADT be really cool and really hot yeah. right now? Okay. I got you. Okay, yeah. there you go. You know, not not sexy hot, just you know, really good looking. I don't want to be a plump lady. Secretary hot, right? Yeah, sanitary hot. That's right. <laughs> if you want to name Alita, that's totally fine too. Right. <laughs> no, it's, it's no, an it's amazing um, story. I love it. So I'm actually, I'm working on. I just published a book last month, um, which is what I've learned through mm -hmm. this last season that I've been through, but I'm working on, on an actual, you know, narrative, a different story of, of different experiences that I've had. Now the book that I just published though, it's called Flawless Love. Divine Did you include uh, that divine... in your bio that you sent us? Uh, yeah, I, I believe Okay, so. good. Cause yeah. that way the listeners can go and get a copy of this. And yeah, I, I got you. the link in there. It's super good, easy. Good. Uh, flawlesslovethebook.com. You can find it on Amazon and all kinds of places, but the, the, the book isn't so much to, but if they buy me, it at flawlesslove.com, you make more money than Amazon. Uh, no, no, I got it all. It's all only on Amazon. Amazon. Okay. Yeah. I, I just, just bought the domain to make it easy to find. Got it. Okay. Cause you know, if you buy my book at leadagreen.com, I make more money than I do if you buy it on Amazon and my children are hungry. So, you know, I'm just so go to leadagreen.com. Yeah. So book. go to, yeah. So go to flawless love or leadagreen.com or whatever. Right. You know, right. No, um, <laughs> but I'm one of the weird ones that has, you know, I print 2000 books at a time and have them in my, my garage so I can make more per book. Do you have yours like printed on demand? I, well, yeah, but I have boxes in my garage too. Good, good. You're doing both. You're doing it, you know, because yeah. I joke, I hand them out like a drug dealer, you know, like you, you want to mm -hmm. buy a book? I've got them in my car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, come back here. Check this out. Yeah. I'll pop the trunk for you. Boom. You know, <laughs> that'll be $17.99. Right. <laughs> Right. And so that's funny because I used to be a drug dealer and, and we were talking about <laughs> accountability for a long, you know, at the beginning. And, and when I had my awakening, when, when my brother passed away, I went to my bishop and I was like, Hey man, like I've a got bishop, some things. For those um, not familiar um, are your ecclesiastical leader, like your pastor or priest. Yeah. Right. And so the, the intention I had of having a discussion with him was I, I wanted to serve in the church and that, that he governed and so or at least that congregation so i wanted to to just be completely transparent and and confess everything that i had done and it was scary but it was awesome to get all that stuff out and then to uh because from there once i wasn't holding on to anything i could really move forward amen and yeah. so and what did he I, say um, to you when you gave him this amazing <laughs> screenplay <laughs> Well, we had to have a couple meetings to, uh -huh. uh, to address a few things, but you know what, 
what really stuck out that he said to me was that I am not my past. He said, Nick, you are not what you've done. And his grace is sufficient. The Lord's grace is sufficient to heal you. Now he did give me some advice. He was, he, and so he, it's like he, uh, what's the word he validated what the Lord had already told me. He Uh said, Nick, I'd, I'd like you to go get a journal and journal your experiences because it'll be super helpful for you. And not only journal, but every time you have an opportunity to testify of what the Lord's done for you, Mm -hmm. do that and just watch what happens like to you as a person. And so I, I own that. And, and that's, I, I learned to be vulnerable through that advice because I used to feel a lot of shame and a lot of guilt for the things that I had done and the people I had wronged and, and then misery from the past that I endured and, and what I learned through testifying of Christ and his, his healing in my life is that everybody struggles. Everybody goes through the muck and everyone experiences trauma to, to so many different degrees and so many different ways from so many different people. And as I've just opened myself up and just allowed myself to be raw and honest and, and forthcoming with my, not, not as forthcoming with my past, like, like, let me share this tragic story because I want your sympathy, but forthcoming of my weaknesses, the coping mechanisms. I don't, that I don't get helped. that whiny vibe off of you at all. I mean, from <laughs> it's good. any posts I've seen, I don't get that at all. And I, and I, I too had to kind of go through this, like, is it going to be useful for me to share with the world that I was molested from two and a half to 14? And the answer was, if I don't share that, then they're going to be like, well, why should I listen to you? Mm-hmm. You know, because mm-hmm. when we look at our lives where, you know, where people judge us by what they perceive of us. And most people will say to me things like, I'd love to have your life. And I'm like, Hmm, <laughs> you want the life I have now. Yeah. The loving husband, the wonderful kids, the nice home, the financial security, the Pete, the, you know, personal peace. You want that. Mm-hmm. But, but people don't always want what we go through to get that. And if we don't share that with them, it just looks like we won the lottery in life. That's true. So it's important that we share there have been hard things. And for me, what pushed me onto social media was while I was on bed rest with my daughter that eventually ended up passing away. And I, I can see that God's hand was in, I want you testifying and showing my hand in your life. Yeah. And because I would have just lived very quietly with the, with my challenges, like I always had. But God was like, I want you sharing. And what has that done for you to share? Uh, <laughs> I don't know if we have enough time and it is a podcast about you, but right. God has made more of me than I ever could have and has made more of my story and impacted more people. You know, when you get a message as your book gets out there more, Nick, when you get a message from someone you could have never sat and had a conversation with per se, and they message you and they say something like, Hey, um, you know, I love checking my spam folder. Cause it's either some guy propositioning to me that I can ignore or somebody who's read my book that I'm not connected to. So we don't know how they found the book, heard about it, whatever that they say something like, I read this specifically and they mentioned something I said in a book and it's changed my life. Or five years ago, I heard you speak and I've been thinking about it ever since. Like, yeah, how crazy that we get to be that catalyst. That's a positive catalyst. Your yeah. catalyst was the death of your brother. My catalyst was the death of my daughter that took me from living in the shadows of quiet timidity to, you know, much more. I would have never set out to do that. You would have never set out to have your, your, your brother die and have to go through all of that. But yet, as it says, God, everything is possible through God, but God also makes everything good. Even the bad things in our life. 
And that's so hard to explain to somebody when they're in the depth of it. And that's why it's so important you share your story because you are going to be able to impact people that can identify with that. And they're like, okay, wait a minute. If Nick can do it, maybe I can do it. And then more so, Nick, once you're out there boldly testifying of God, just as you are, Satan still attacks Mm. and still will try to get at you. But you get better and better at repelling the fiery darts, as it were. Mm. Right? And you mentioned earlier, you keep calling upon, I did that, I can do this. I did that, I can do that. And that is my definition of resiliency. Yes. As long as we remember and call back on what we have done, we realize we can do what is before us. And if we do it with God, we're going to do it well. We are. And, you know, you reminded me of two different scriptures that I'll share. Um, Well, one of them is the Apostle Paul, and he's going through heck. And and he says, you know, uh, that he... He is, he boasts in his weakness because through his weakness, the glory of God is made manifest. Right. right? That's what I was just saying, but he said it better. (laughs) And then um, I want to say from the book of Mormon, there was Ammon who he starts like really glorifying and praising the Lord because of their, their success in the ministry. And, and the guys are like, "Uh, you might want to slow down and be humble, bro. And he's like, no. No, if I boast, I'm going to boast in my God. I'm going to boast in his miraculous healing, restorative, redemptive powers, because that's exactly what it is. And when you said that, um, you know, it's, it's, it's beautiful when people reach out to you and, 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 and you realize that you've impacted them in such a way that, that could only be done once you had found your voice and been able to speak and testify. That's, that's why we're here the end of the, the world, as far as I understand it, right, is, is there's this war fought and, and there's this one side, right, that's the devil, the dark side, and then there's Christ's side. And, and how this battle is fought, the weapons that we use are the, the words of our testimony. Mm. That is how the war is fought. And so the Lord, he's been referred to as the word, um, but we being his children become the word too. We become living testimonies of him. And that only comes through walking through the fires, uh, you know, going through the muck and just rolling around in those seasons that are full of manure. And but we take it and then we grow from it. And then it's just and and then we become, you know, I think the Bible calls it being a savior on Mount Zion in these days where you're able to be a reflection of the Lord Jesus Christ in the way that whoever it is in front of you needs you to be. And because of experience, I found that the Holy Ghost will lead us to these people who need us at that very moment. And our experience will be exactly what they need. Maybe it's a word that we speak to them, or maybe it's just a smile that we give them. Whatever it is that we give them is just this little heavenly deposit of light into their life that they needed to get to the next day or to get to the next hour or whatever it is. So as we just stay true, walk in our truth and stand boldly and courageously in our faith and walk in charity, um, lockstep with the savior, then you're right. Nothing is impossible. Everything is possible. And everything that the devil meant for evil is turned around for our good. I don't think there could be a better way to sadly end our time. Um, It's just so beautiful to think how this connection we've had, you know, it's, 25, 23 years, somewhere in there, and how we've been able to reconnect. And I, you know, it reminds me of those scriptures where people get together and they celebrate. You know, that's a little piece yeah. of heaven right there. It is. So celebrate because others are secure in their in their faith in Christ. So um, thank you. I'm like all emotional now, but um, I'm going to have to have you on again, Nick. I think you're going to become a regular. This is powerful stuff. And I look forward to watching your career and the good that you will do with the guy looking over your shoulder. For sure. So thank you, Nick Sagala, for being on this episode of Share Your Hotness. All right. Well, have a good day.
And uh, to all you listeners out there, thank you for your time. And if you guys want to pick up the book, go ahead and, and visit flawlesslovethebook.com. You can find all of our social media under Gospel of Growth, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, any of that stuff. Um, go out there and kill it, guys. You're amazing. Absolutely. Well, I hope I hope everyone does go and follow you. There's, you post good content. <laughs>